0: Hey everybody. It's Rich. Welcome or welcome back to the Access Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you'll find our complete Sunday experience with music as well as great content for kids and students. Visit accesschurch.com to keep up with everything going on around here at Access and subscribe to our email list. We'll send you helpful suggestions each week designed to help you make friends, grow in faith, and live with purpose. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, good morning. That was rough, wasn't it? Yeah, anybody leave? One minute felt like an eternity, didn't it? Like, does he know what he's doing? Welcome to Access Church, where the guest preacher thinks he can create cringe moments right out of the gate. Uh, You know, we're starting a new series, as Rich said, it's called Losing Weight. And this series is for anybody who's ever felt the stress, the struggle, Maybe the trauma or the tension of hoping and asking God to move, to do something, to show up, to respond, to fix something, to change something. And it feels like he's too far away. He's not listening. He's ignoring you. He doesn't care. Or maybe he's just not even real. This series is to remind us that learning to wait on God is actually really good for us. Let me pray to get us started. Pray with me, God, we want what we want, when we want it, and we want it right now. But God, we can't see everything. You see it all. So would you help us to trust you? For those that don't yet know you, would you help this place to be the place where they could find you, to meet you, and to know you? And for those of us who know you, would you remind us that waiting on you is always good for us? It's in your name we pray, amen. Well, my name is Darren, as Rich said, and um, I... uh, Before I dive too deep into this content, I want to introduce myself. I met Rich when I was like 15 or 16. He was my youth pastor. A long, 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 long time ago when Rich was, you know, cool and young, you know, and fun. One of my favorite parts about that pause I was going to have this morning waiting like that was just that I knew it would bother him so much such a nostalgic feel for me to bother Rich Barrett. Um, and so uh, that was kind of fun. But we we bullied him as much as we could. Uh, he was so new and so green. It was fun to see how we could get under his skin quite easily. Just see if we could get rich to explode. That was kind of our whole MO back in the day. Uh, but, um, you know, then I became a youth pastor myself. And, and uh, so anyway, I I love Rich, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here. A little bit about myself. I live in California now in a place called Sonoma County. This is my family. This is an obligatory guest speaker picture. This is the the crew. Um, This is my wife, Molly. She's an IE Molly. Uh, People spell her name wrong a lot. Where are my other people in the room that people spell your name wrong a lot? You got some people, okay? It's frustrating, isn't it? It's frustrating if they just get it right. Pay attention to how I spelled it in the email. Just respond back the way I spelled it. It's not that hard, right? She's an IE Molly. This is my son, Smith. He's four. These are my two girls. They're about a year apart, Malone and Collins. And you see, we're standing in front of a a vineyard, and that's because we live in Sonoma County. Uh, It's wine country out there. So it's hard to live in Sonoma County because there's so many winemakers at our church. It's hard to know which winemaker to hang out with uh, which week. I don't know if I feel like a Pinot week or a Chardonnay week or a Cab week. I don't know. So it's hard. So pray for me as I go through that struggle, it's difficult. I also spent a lot of time though in the South, in the Bible Belt, where wine isn't even real, and so had that experience as well. And so um, I was the youth pastor at a church called North Point. Uh, Andy Stanley, some of you may know his name. His kids were in my youth group, no pressure there. Um, but as you can see, I don't work there anymore. So that's how that went. Um, I love to help people. I love to encourage people. That's why I'm here this morning. My hope is to encourage you. And I think one of the reasons I love that is because people in my life, as I grew up and and came up through all the different stages of life, people encouraged me. And Rich was one of those people that encouraged me to help me understand my faith a little better, to put it in terms that made sense to me. And so I hope I can do that for you today as you launch into the new year, you know, and it's not always the new year, but there's seasons in our life where we feel like I got to make some changes. Like I got to fix some things in my life. I got to make some adjustments because I'm not liking the direction that I'm going. One of the adjustments that many people stumble upon at some point in your life is I need to lose some weight. I need to shed a few pounds. None of you, of course, but I have thought that. Uh, and I thought, I need to drop a few LBs. And recently, um, I've found that as you get older, that becomes more difficult. Uh, I, a couple months ago, but I was talking to a friend. I was like, we got, I got to start working out, dude. I got to get in shape. And so we decided to pull out the P90X uh, tapes. You remember those? All right. Remember that? Old Tony Horton. So we pull them out. We meet at five in the morning for two months. And after two months of five in the morning P90X, the first time I did it, I got shredded. I'm happy to report this time, after two months, I lost almost two pounds. I was like, this is trash. This stuff doesn't work anymore, right? It gets harder, right? And so I don't think I'm in any danger of losing too much weight. That's not my problem. But I wonder if in our culture, if we ever thought about the possibility that because of the way we do life in this Western world, always rushing, always moving, always going so fast to make our lives what we hope they would be, is it possible that we've lost too much weight? Have we lost the ability to wait? Because when you lose too much ability to wait, you lose more than you think. That there's something in the waiting. There's something in that process that can only be found in the waiting. And when we bypass the waiting, we miss whatever that is is and I get it I don't like to wait on the way over here I took a flight from San Francisco I packed light so I could put my my luggage on the plane with me and not have to wait at the baggage claim situation that we don't trust and so I'm the last person on the plane basically they're like I'm sorry sir we need to check your bag I was like listen every time you check my bag (laughs) I get on and there's like 30 spaces for me to put my bag (laughs) so it's a little frustrating So is it possible that I just keep my bag? They're like, no, sir, you have to check your bag. I said, okay, but I promise you, (laughs) there's gonna be spaces on the plane. I get on the plane, I start walking, I start counting, one, two, three, four, 30 spaces I could have put in my luggage. And I say to the lady, hey, just curious, is there a system by which you determine that there's no space (laughs) left to put my baggage? And she said, yeah, we call up ahead to let them know. I said, well, I feel like you might've guessed wrong. And she said, well, you could pick it up as a baggage claim. I said, I know, I know. But that's why I packed the light so I wouldn't have to wait. I don't like to wait. And she was like, sit down, sir. All right. Thank you for your time. I don't like to wait. You've never once asked somebody, hey, what do you do for fun? And the answer was, I like to wait. You know, no one's like, listen, I go to Disneyland. You guys are Disney World. I'm Disneyland. Okay. Which is better, by the way. We don't have to get into it. You guys are Disney World in this side of the country. No one says, I go to Disney World for the lines. I love them. You you don't wake up and drive to work and be like, you know what my favorite part of my drive to work is? When I hit traffic. It's just killer. I just love it. I love to sit there. I like going to the DMV, getting that ticket and seeing this line. That's what I like. I like the inefficiency of the DMV. That's my favorite thing on the planet. You know, I switched from Android to iPhone. Big topic. We don't have to get into it. But one of the things I hate about my iPhone, when you plug it in, you got to wait like five minutes for it to turn on. Android, you don't have to do that. There's other problems with the Android. But anyway, I hate that feature of the iPhone. Some of you are younger in the room and you've started your you know, your like dating relationships in a text message world. You know when you're trying to date somebody and you're not sure that they're into you, but they might be into you? And so you send a, test, a text that's a little risky, like, hey, you want to hang out next week? And the bubbles pop up and then the bubbles go away. And you're like, oh, no. And you have to wait during that process of, are they going to ghost me or get back to me? Nobody likes to wait. We hate waiting. In fact, I thought it would be fun today for you to take a minute, talk to each other, and talk about what are the things that you hate waiting on. you got 30 seconds go. Okay, anybody come up with something new? Any good ones out there? Anybody say anything, anything that really bothers you? Anybody got one? Food. food, you hate waiting on your food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh-huh. Anybody else? My husband, anybody's st- husband? No, you said, st- okay, all right. Anybody, know what, husbands, anybody? Any husbands get ready faster than wives? Is that, <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. It's a possibility. Does that ever happen? Yeah, we, I mean, no one likes to wait. In fact, we don't even wait anymore, do we? I'm going to throw this question out. You're going to know the answer to it. When you have to wait somewhere on a train, a plane, a car, a person, you're waiting on them, what do you do? Pull this out. Why? I ain't waiting. I got to do something. I don't want to look like the only person that has nothing to do. I need to be doing something at all times. We don't wait. And so what we've done, we live in a world that promotes no waiting, Right? You ever watch HGTV? They remodel the whole block in 30 minutes. (laughs) You ever follow a TikTok creator who's like redoing, I don't know, sprinter vans into camper vans? They do it in 11 seconds or less. It's just instantly, you're like, have you ever seen a before and after picture of somebody who's uh, got six pack abs, they lost a bunch of weight? You look at the before, it's like you're out of shape. You look at the after, it's like abs. It looks like it happened just in a picture. There's no waiting. There's no process. It's just, I went from this to this. And it appears like everything's just on demand. We want it on demand. I want it now. I want it my way. I want it as fast as possible, but I don't want the process. We want the results, but we don't want the process. We want them without the process. Is there a way for me to get what I want without having to wait through the process of getting it? And so we've created technology for this. You said food. We created microwaves so we can have our dinner ready in three minutes or less. But we all know that a microwave dinner pales in comparison to a slow, home-cooked, well-prepared meal that has nutrition and value that we sit around the table and we eat and we talk and we get to know each other and we hang out as a family. Like the fast food the speed's nice, but there's something lost in the speedy process. There's something missing when we go too fast. And what's happened in our world of speed, speed, speed is that we've decided we want microwave everything. I want microwave muscles. I want microwave relationships. I want microwave finances. I want to get rich quick. I want everything to be microwavable as fast as it can be so I don't have to do this thing that we think is awful called Waiting, And so we've done everything we can, if in our power, to eliminate this thing we find to be our enemy. We think it's our enemy. But I'm going to ask the question throughout this series, what if waiting is our friend? What if waiting is actually our friend? What if waiting is good for us? What if waiting is like something we need in our lives? And what do we lose? when we lose waiting. Like what do we lose when we lose weight? What's the value? And what do we lose when we lose the ability to wait? And your response may be nothing. (laughs) It stinks, I don't want to wait. But if we examine God's word just a little bit, we find that waiting is a major theme in God's world. It's like a major theme. That waiting is something that's baked into what God is doing in this world. And that waiting is actually good for and that God is always working in the waiting. See, we're gonna look at one of the most famous waiting stories in scripture, but before we get there, I know this, some of you are waiting on something much bigger than the DMV line. Some of you are waiting on a relationship that you've been craving for a long time and it feels like he's just not listening. Some of you are waiting on a health condition, and it's like, I don't know if it's going to get any better. And it's like, he's not moving. Some of you are waiting on a miracle of some kind. Some of you are waiting on a prodigal child who's left the house and the faith, and you've been praying and praying and talking to God, and he's not doing anything, it seems. Some of you are waiting on a career change. Some of you are waiting on an answer to something. Some of you are waiting on a resolution. Some of you are waiting on someone to say they're sorry. Some of you are waiting on an apology or on forgiveness. Some of you are waiting on some big things. You're waiting on something that you don't even want to talk about. You can't even share it. It's such a big, heavy thing in your life. And you've been talking to God about it. You've been waiting for God to do something. And it seems like he's just not moving. He just won't do it. And it can be frustrating to try and have this faith in a God that we can't see and we talk to, but he's invisible and we want him to respond, but he won't. And I'm stuck in this place of, come on. And I just want you to know that this is not new to God. He's been asked this question before. Where were you? Why didn't you show up when I wanted you? We're gonna read a story or look at a story to get to together today that's a kind of a famous waiting story. And this story wouldn't even be famous if it weren't for the waiting. Had God chosen not to wait in this circumstance, we wouldn't have even read this story. It wouldn't be a story. So right out of the gate, we know that sometimes waiting adds to the wonder of our lives. When you have to wait for something You appreciate it more sometimes. When you have to wait for something, it can kind of grow your gratitude for that thing. When you have to wait for things, sometimes the impression is greater upon you as you learn to wait. So we know that waiting can add to the wonder, but we don't like it because we don't like to wait. It feels like our enemy. So we're gonna be reading from John chapter 11 today. John, uh, if you don't know the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament. John was the best friend of Jesus, at least according to John. This is what he said about himself, so I don't know. Maybe not the humblest of the disciples. But So John chapter 11, there's this story where Jesus is kind of, you know, he's doing his thing and he gets wind that his friend Lazarus is sick, okay? And so his disciples are like, are we gonna go? But here's what it says. John chapter 11, verse five and six. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, all right? So uh, it's Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Hold on, what? He loved them, so when he heard that he was sick, he did nothing. You know what this says? This is what it says. Jesus, next slide, says Jesus loved them, so he made them wait, now hold up, that doesn't make any sense. If you love me, you fix it, that's our understanding. If you love me, you answer me. But in this story, he says he loved them and so he made them go through the waiting process, why? Because there's always something good in the waiting when God's in the story. He's not waiting without a purpose, He's not waiting to make you upset. He's not waiting to frustrate you. He loves you. So sometimes he makes you wait. So he doesn't show up for a couple of days and Lazarus dies. And he shows up and Mary comes, or Martha comes running to him first. Martha comes out and she says to Jesus, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And here, we all find ourselves in the story. You ever been there with something in your life where your prayer sounded something like, God, if you'd have just showed up, if you'd have just come when I called you, this divorce wouldn't have happened. If you'd have just showed up when I needed you, this sickness wouldn't have happened. If you'd have just showed up when I talked to you, my faith wouldn't be so dead right now. If you'd have done something in the middle of the pain and the hurt and the sadness, It wouldn't be so painful and hurtful and sad. Why aren't you moving, God? Where were you? Why did you wait? This is the heart of Martha. Why didn't you show up, man? I know you could have done something, but you didn't. What's your deal? And we want to tell God how to do his job. We'd like to microwave our God. We want to microwave God. I just hit the button, call the prayer, you show up, miracle done. That's what we want. We want a microwave God. And Martha wants a microwave Jesus that she can just get him to move quickly when she wants him to move quickly and tell him how to do his job. So I love what Jesus says to her. Jesus responds to Martha. and He loves her, remember, but he says this. He goes, Martha, I appreciate making me wait. (laughs) Jesus told her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus says to her, Martha, 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 do you know who I am? You have any clue, Martha, who I am? I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, they will never, ever die. I'm bigger than you think I am, girl. I mean, I know you, I know, you know me, <laughs> but do you really know me? You really know what I can do? You don't know yet, Martha. Do you believe this? And then she responds to him. She goes, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, I know he's gonna rise at the last. Whenever he else gets up from the dead, he'll get up from the dead. And Jesus is like, nah, <laughs> I'm gonna have to show you something today. I'm gonna have to show you something today that you don't know yet. It's gonna give you a whole new picture of who I am. And Martha, Martha has a sister. Her name's Mary. And um, Mary comes out. This is in chapter 11, verse 32. And Mary says the same thing. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Which is interesting. I think part of the story is to say, we're all the same. We all have the same response to God. Come on, man. In fact, if you get to verse 37, in verse 37, what you find is a whole crowd of people. And the crowd of people says, uh, verse 36, the people who were standing uh, nearby said, see how much he loved him? Because Jesus had wept. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? how come he didn't do anything? I thought this guy was pretty good at this, right? And so Martha doubts it, Mary doubts it, the crowd doubts it. Everyone's like, yeah, why did he wait? Why didn't he do something? Now I wanna pause here in my lesson on waiting for just a second. And I wanna say that in the middle of the the waiting process of what God's doing here, he's he's not making us wait with like vitriol, like to get us. In fact, in this moment, just before the crowd speaks, Jesus weeps. It's the, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. When I was in high school, and Rich would say, everyone needs to come with a Bible a verse memorized next week. I always chose John eleven thirty three. 33. Jesus wept. Or was it 35? Now, now I don't remember what it was. It was 35, yeah. John eleven thirty five. Then Jesus wept. Sorry, like I got my verse for the week. But the reason Jesus weeps is because there's the God that we're talking about today who allows you to go through the waiting process that puts us through the waiting turner, that puts us through the waiting game. He's not a God who says, hey, get in my my torture chamber of waiting. I'd like to see you suffer for a while. No, he's a God who in the middle of our waiting, in the middle of our growth process, in the middle of what he's doing in the waiting, he recognizes that it's difficult. And he suspends his understanding of the future because he knows what he's about to do in a minute. He's about to raise their brother from the dead. It's going to be fine. And he doesn't say, oh, Martha, Mary, chill out. I'm going I'm to raise him up. Hold on. Stop your whining. Quit your fussing. No. He sees their pain. He sees your pain. Even though he's, he knows he's going to make you wait. He knows he's got to put you through the process. But even in that, he sees you with mercy and he loves you and he goes, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's so painful. I'm sorry it hurts you. I love you. I want want you to be okay, but if I'm gonna take you where I wanna take you and teach you what I wanna teach you, we gotta go through this, but I'm gonna go through it with you. And that's what he does in this story. Mary is crying. Martha is crying. Lazarus is dead. The crowd is doubting. And Jesus stops in the middle of it all to say, I know. I know it's hard. And I love you. And I would speak that over you today. Whatever you're waiting in, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're wishing him to do, I just want you to know that God doesn't laugh at you in your waiting. He doesn't torture you in the waiting. He comes beside you and he goes, I know. I know, but I got to show you something. I want you to see something. I want you to know something. And so he makes them wait. And then, of course, maybe you've read the story. Maybe you've heard the story. I've just told you the story. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Can you just imagine that moment with me for a second? Mary and Martha are standing here and Jesus is there and he prays. He says, God, I'm, I'm, I'm praying to you, but I'm only praying to you so that they would know that you're the one who's doing this. They'd see this whole thing that I'm doing. And then he goes, Art, right, move the stone. Now, if you're Mary and Martha, you're like, no, 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 no. No, it's too late. They say, he's been in there for like four days. It's gonna stink, dude. Don't you know anything? They start telling Jesus how to do his job. We ever done that before? Don't roll the stone away. And they're like, oh. That's gonna stink, dude. That is not what you should be doing right now. He's dead, dead, Jesus. Rolls the stone away. Lazarus comes walking out. I don't know what it looked like, you know. (laughs) I like to imagine this. But it's probably just like, where was I? What was, what, who put this on me, you know? And he walks out. Mary and Martha are like, oh my God. What? I don't know how you say, oh snap in Hebrew, but it was like, oh snap. Oh, what? Holy moly. Is that you, Les? What's up, bro? You back? You were gone. You, you died. And then you, and then, what? And in that moment, Jesus leveled up their faith in a way he could have never leveled up their faith if he hadn't put them through the waiting process. They already knew he could heal sickness. You heard that in their response. What'd they say to him? Twice. If you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. If you had been here, you could have touched him and healed his body. They knew he could heal. They didn't know he could resurrect. They knew he could heal somebody. They had no idea he could raise somebody. And maybe you think you know God and you think you know what God's capable of, but sometimes he puts you through the waiting process to show you a little more of what he can do because he can do way more than you think he can do. Newsflash, to me and all of you, you don't know him yet. You don't know all of him yet. And this side of heaven, you'll never know exactly what he's capable of. And so sometimes he makes you stay in the waiting process to keep chasing more of who he is. And he's gonna level up your faith. And leveling up your faith, well, leveling up your faith is always worth the wait. When you level up your faith in God's power, it's worth the wait every time. When you get through something, you you, you fight him on something, you chase him on something, and you get to the resolution and you go, whoa, I just leveled up my understanding of who you are. God's not waiting just to hurt you. He's not making you wait just for fun and torture, for kicks and giggles. That's not what he's doing. God is always, always, always working in the waiting, which is what the next slide says. God is always working in the waiting. He's always at work in the waiting. He's always doing something in the waiting. He's not just waiting for fun. He's doing something in the waiting. The waiting. You know, as you wait on the Lord, and I mean really wait on him, it's tough. As you wait on the Lord, it looks a little bit like, I don't know, sometimes it looks like this. God, I'm so frustrated. And I wanna wanna just numb the pain. So I'm thinking about just getting drunk tonight, again because I don't want to feel it. But Lord, that, that dude that, I don't know what his name was, the green jacket, I don't know. He said that waiting could be good for me. So would you help me wait on you? Maybe it looks like not trying to control your kids anymore and just praying over them. Maybe it looks like not trying to fix your husband anymore and just praying for him. Maybe it looks like going to see a counselor. Maybe it looks like, I don't know. Maybe it looks like just being at peace in the middle of the storm finally. But as you actually try to wait on God and let him be in charge and let go of the controls of all of life and say, I trust, I trust you. He wants you to fly. He wants you to soar and he will do great things in your life. The famous verse from Isaiah that talks about even young men stumble and fall, right? Even, even youth get tired. But what does it say? Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. You'll get stronger and you'll mount up on wings like eagles. You'll soar. Like eagles, you'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not be faint. God wants to give you strength and power and life in the waiting process. His desire is for you to thrive. So don't be discouraged in the waiting seasons of life. Don't think he's out to get you. Don't be too bothered. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to change it. Don't, don't, don't try to make the answer yourself. Wait on the Lord. Pray, seek wise counsel, but wait on the Lord. He knows what he is doing. And he's always working in the waiting. When I was younger, uh, I was trying to get this girl to like me again. I mean, I was surprised she did in the first place, but I was trying to get her to like me, but we had broken up. And so I called a friend of mine who he had wrecked his life. I mean, this guy, he cheated on his wife, went to prison for selling cocaine, and got somebody. like had another kid with somebody else in the meantime, and he got to jail, and he meets God in prison. And, and he said, God told him in prison, I, I don't want you to be divorced, you need to call your wife back up and get back together with her. So he called her up and was like, hey, and she wasn't a Christian, hey, God wants us to be together. She was like, no, he doesn't, you know? And she hung up on him. And 25 years later, they were missionaries together, serving God in a city, telling kids about Jesus as a married couple. So I called him up and I said, dude, how did you get her back? What did you do? Because I need the playbook because this girl's mad at me. Just because I talked to another girl for like a second, but we were on a break. And so what do I do? So I'm like wanting to take the notes of like, okay, what's the strategy to get my girl back? And he goes, okay, you want to know what to do? I said, yeah. He goes, you do what Christians do best. I was like, all right, all right. I said, what's that? He goes, you talk to God, okay, and you wait, all right? That's it. I was like, well, that sucks. That's not what I want to do. Like, didn't you like write some cool notes or anything or like send flowers or like, didn't you try to manipulate the situation so that it would turn your way? He said, no, if God wants it, you just talk to him about it. I was like, well, I don't really like that plan a whole lot. So that's what I did. And God's answer was no, and that's okay but I learned a valuable lesson in that season. When you're waiting on something with God, you just talk to him about it. And then you do what God followers do best. You just wait and you wait for God to move. And he'll make it clear and he'll change things. My time is up. (laughs) So my question for you is this, as we wrap this up, think about it, what are you waiting on God for? What you waiting on? What came to mind as this was going through? What is it? Maybe talk to somebody about that. Second question is this: How are you doing? Uh, What was what's waiting look like so far? How are you doing in the waiting so far? Like what's it look like so far to wait on God? You doing good, or is this opening your eyes to I've been a train wreck waiter? Like I am not good at waiting on God. In fact, I have been struggling to wait on God. I've been trying to change everything myself and control and manipulate and and try to get my results that I want because I'm not good at waiting because we live in a world that says waiting is the worst. But waiting could actually be your friend. The final question is this, what would it take? How can you really wait on God without trying to control the outcomes? What would that look like for you to actually really, truly wait on God? I promise you, God's always working in the waiting. For the next few weeks, uh, you'll be seeing me. Uh, We're continuing this series through video. I won't be flying in from California every Sunday. Um, But this series, this idea of trying to learn to wait has been so good for me, my family, been good for the people that I work with, and I hope it's really good for you that you take a breath, You be at peace and you recognize in the waiting, God may be leveling up your faith to see him even more clearly. He's always working in the waiting. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for stories that you left for us as a trail back to you. It's like Reese's Pieces in the ET movie. You wrote these stories so we could find our way home. So would you remind us, God, today that You're not just ignoring us. You're not waiting to torture us. You're drawing us in. You're helping us see you more clearly. We may already know you can heal, but do we know you can resurrect? What else is there in you that we need to see? Would you help us? Help us help us to trust that you're in the middle of it all and that we can trust you in the waiting. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.